0: Why won't you teach me back in touch? You know why? Because all our fans love us. All I need is a beat to keep it coming.
1: Hello and welcome to the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's the Sea of Blue. I'm Big Blue Drew. Aaron Gershon is going to join me again today. We're going to kind of talk about the whirlwind of the last eight days with Kentucky basketball playing the three games in eight days starting last week with the Champions Classic against Duke. And then last night, the monster win, um, defeating Mount St. Mary's at home, 80-55. to 55. So we'll kind of touch on all that, maybe hit on a little bit of football with Senior Day coming up. But um,
0: how's it going, Aaron? What's up? Good, man. All good. It's good having basketball back again twice a week. And, you know, it'll be three times a week coming up soon. And, uh, uh, you know, th- this home non-conference schedule is not – the most, uh, oh, I guess, exciting. It's so bad. <laughs> no, Ohio's pretty good. We'll see here on Friday, but it's not the most exciting compared to when you see Gonzaga um, get, having some really tough games, including, uh, I believe it was Texas who came in there in that UCLA game uh, last Friday night. But at the same time, it's just it, it, last year when there were really, there's really only one feel-good win, <laughs> which was the first game of the season uh, for Kentucky. It is nice to see them go and uh, kick some butt a couple games in a row here
1: yeah the non-conference schedule really is so bad and we're really going to start like feeling that pain over the next few weeks but at the same time you know kind of putting these wins together I think it's important for this team kind of get some confidence and man I guess I'll start with like how nice is it to watch a team that um this team's not going to struggle to put the ball in the basket every night like we saw last year even some of the last few years with um with Calipari so they're just just shooters around the court man it's kind of been um allowance Savir Wheeler and Oscar Shibway just to kind of play a two-man game last night I mean you have Kellen Grady on the court Tata Washington those guys can just hit shots so it's opened up a lot but I guess we'd be remiss without starting with the man the machine Oscar I mean he's just I mean it's incredible that a 16 rebound performance was actually like far under his average but I mean just how insane is his first three games of the wildcat been yeah.
0: Oh my God, Uh, I can't, you'd have to remind me, I can't think of a better stretch to start a career, Uh, really, not many places, I mean, in sports, you don't see uh, what what Oscar's doing much, Uh, I mean, obviously averaging well over a double-double, last night, he was almost a little bit of a letdown with the rebound total, which, like you said, I think was 14, which is still incredible, so... 16. Even better. So, I mean, if he goes out and gets you 24 rebounds on Friday, which is unlikely, I don't think you can ask anyone to get 24, but he'd be averaging uh, 20 boards a game. He's already at 18.7 while scoring 18.3 points. Uh, it's incredible what that kid's doing. And I guess we oh, we both kind of questioned Calipari's statement about him being a shooter. I guess... I guess we owe an apology because last night he was hitting jumpers and shooting 11 for 14 from the field.
1: Seriously, and that's one thing I really wanted to talk about was I think that last night's game could have went a lot differently, not that Kentucky was ever going to be in danger of losing the game. But Oscar, like, went LeBron on him in the first, like, six <laughs> minutes of the game. I mean, there was so many times when Kentucky was kind of uh, struggling to get in their offense a little bit, and it was like, hey, let's just ISO to Oscar, and he either kind of muscled for a basket. We know he hit several of those jump shots – I think once or twice he faced up and scored a basket. So that was something I had never seen or, you know, I wouldn't think I would see from Oscar. And I'm not sure how much we'll see of that, you know, in the future as far as him being like offensive option number one. But he absolutely showed me and probably many members of the Big Blue Nation something in his bag that I really wasn't sure that he had because last night his, his scoring really impressed me because you're kind of getting used to him snagging 20 rebounds now.
0: Exactly. I mean, it kind of reminds you a little bit of what Nick Richards was able to do, but even better so. Uh, Obviously, only Nick in his junior year where he was hitting from the perimeter, but more so a little closer to the basket than what Oscar was going with. But uh, yeah, it's special what he's doing. And I mean, they don't I the, the key is they need some other players to step up so they don't have to rely on that every game because. Maybe his rebounding – I may maybe not the numbers, but I think the rebounding and averaging 10-plus boards a game, he's well over that now, obviously, but at least 10 boards a game is realistic just given his position and his size and physicality. But the point totals – it's just basketball. It's not going to happen every night. There's going to be off-shooting nights. That's just the sport. So they're going to need someone. I mean, that's the the big worry from the first three games, right? They need someone to step up to help him and Wheeler when things are not going great for those two shooting the ball. But it's a great sign that they have someone that – really they've been missing that guy. They've had some really great players, but I don't know. And they've had some games where guys like Emmanuel Quickly and Nick Richards and Tyler Hero took over a game. But they haven't really had that one guy who can just go out every night and be that – That dude and be the guy who's a consensus top five draft pick who, you know, if the the ball's in their hands, they're going to go and give you a really good chance to win the game uh, in a long time. And it's starting to look like uh, Big O has the potential to be just that uh, based on his first three games and the fact, you know, obviously the last two games, not the greatest competition, but he did do it against Duke. Yeah, and I
1: mean, not to mention the fact that he's he's pulling down all those rebounds. Like I said last night, he's even adding the offensive repertoire to it. And if you would have told me before the season, Aaron, that like, oh my God, Oscar threw three games, averaging like 18 rebounds, I probably would have said, oh shit, we probably can't shoot. <laughs> like if that was right. But man, I mean, I haven't even checked in on the three game stats or through three games. we man, Kentucky's shooting 45 percent from three, 23 for 51 um the only sh- their field goal percentage total is 48 percent. so they're they're really Not shooting bad. the ball well I mean you talk about adding guys like Kellen Grady we know Ty Ty can shoot it um is even proven in a you know in a pinch he can make some shots we know Davion Mintz can fill it up so that's amazing to me that he's accomplishing those rebounding totals knowing <laughs> that Kentucky's shooting the ball so well because dang dude if he would have played on last year's team he might have averaged like
0: 35 rebounds with all <laughs> those bricks throwing up Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very fair point. But yeah, I mean, like you said, shooting almost fifty percent from the field as a team. Um, obviously, Oscar shooting sixty one point five percent. That'll do. Uh, Keelan Grady shooting uh, a little over fifty four percent. Dante Allen at fifty percent. So uh, things going really well in the shooting department, and they're knocking down free throws early, which is always a sign of a good team at eighty one point mm-hmm. five percent. So um, obviously, it's a it's a breath of fresh air to get some. Uh, quality scoring uh, but the key will be and obviously the numbers are good um, though we know obviously we can't take too much just given the two opponents but it is a good sign that this will be a far improved shooting team from what we've seen the last couple of years um, but like I said it really comes down to the if you have any worries after three games uh, and after two you know lopsided victories it's finding that third guy and fourth and really fifth Uh, to kind of step up and be consistent. I think Grady will be one of them. So, really, you're looking at kind of the other two to fill those spots and then maybe a player or two off the bench. But you you need more consistency um, from some other guys, some other cast to step up. And I know uh, injuries have not been kind early with Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin, and now CJ Frederick out for the year. So, uh, they're going to – you know, depth didn't seem like it would be an issue early this year. Uh, But now with some adversity with these injuries and some struggles from guys – just not taking that jump yet, and Ty Ty Washington did look a lot better last night. I thought, um, at least scoring the ball. I know I think he had four turnovers, which was the team high. Yeah, but he did he did shoot the ball a little bit better last night, which is a good sign. He's a young player; it'll take time. But they, they need someone to come in and help uh, consistently. Uh, Big O and Severe Wheeler, if they want to take the next step.
1: Yeah, can we talk about Ty Ty for a little bit? Because Mm -hmm. um, I'm just kind of – I I just don't know what's going on with him. Like, I feel like he – I keep thinking that he's maybe going to break out a little bit. But I guess to put it into words and and most specifically, like, tied into, like, on basketball – like, basketball-specific things, Mm -hmm. he just seems to be struggling in transition to me. Like, he's second-guessing himself. Like, I know last night there was that, like, weird Eurostep charge block that they didn't call anything and he was obviously fouled. But even on that play, I don't know. He just kind of seems like he's not fluid in transition. Like, again, like he's not playing freely. He's kind of thinking a little bit. Um, he's still knocking down his shot. Still is great. I think he's he's so
0: good. Seven at for 12 last night.
1: You know, able to find separation, um, you know, which is something that we know Kentucky guards have had a little bit of trouble, especially last season. So he's able to create some offense for himself, and I think a lot of times it's been good. But I don't know. I guess most specifically in transition to me, like – I'm kind of just waiting for him to, like, take off, have a nice slam dunk or something just to kind of get him going because um, he also seemingly turns it over quite a bit when he's trying to get in transition, whether he gets too deep in the paint and just loses the ball or kicks it back out and they kind of know what's going on for that corner three and it's being intercepted. But um, I'm thinking, Aaron, and I'll see if you agree with me, that, like, he just needs one big game to really kind of just snap Mm -hmm. everything back in, forget about the Champions Classic, really just play his game and he seems to be moving on but I just I guess what I'm getting is I don't think we've really scratched the surface of his potential and hopefully he he can kind of begin to show it
0: yeah I I think it simply comes down to him being a a freshman and you know obviously there's a ton of pressure here that's you know that's what you sign up for so at some point you gotta you know that can't be an excuse and I don't think um, it's even an excuse I think it's just (laughs) <laughs> the truth, I think he's really uh, just adjusting to the college game, playing at a blue blood program here. Obviously, you know, not everyone's made for the big moments. And not to say he won't be, but your first big moment, which was obviously uh, that Champions Classic game at the world's most famous arena playing Duke uh, in a potential, you know, March preview type matchup. That, that's a that's a tough game to start your uh, uh, NCAA career in. So, you know, the the pressure was there. The pressure is there. Um, So maybe he's just going to kind of be a little bit slower to develop than we thought, which is, you know, it's a trend we've seen with these freshmen uh, of late. I mean, like Tyrese Maxey obviously came out and had a dominant first game and a lot of people forget a lot of the struggles he had uh, specifically just putting the ball in the net uh, throughout that season until he kind of heated up late in the year and made himself that first round pick. But it doesn't always click for these young guys. And I think that's why Kentucky built their roster so much differently this year where they're much older and not necessarily older with guys who are coming back to the program, but older from guys uh, coming in from other places. Obviously, Oscar got here in March, but or excuse me, in January, but he was with West Virginia, uh, won the Big 12 Freshman of the Year, or was on, on first team, one or the other there. Uh, obviously, so many other guys. Keelan Grady who played in the NCAA tournament with Davidson. Uh, CJ Frederick, who unfortunately missed the year, coming in from Iowa. So, all these guys, and obviously Wheeler, Georgia. So, all these guys who know what they're doing, the college game, they don't, it's already come to them, the college game. They're battle tested where tie tie isn't. He's in a he's the starting you know one two guard at the University of Kentucky as a freshman, and he's expected to be this team's best player coming into the year. That's a lot to deal with, and it'll take time to get him to adjust. But the fact he's scoring in double figures and um, they're winning games these last two, at least, uh, I think is a good way to ease him in, and eventually, like you said, I think he just needs to have that one big game, and that'll turn the confidence. and That that's why you know, as annoying as it is. That's why you make these non-conference schedules and these cupcake games.
1: Yeah, that's what I'll be looking for, and all the listeners keep an eye out. I think that big breakout, 25-plus point game, maybe it'll be it'll come. at Ohio. I think Albany's coming in Monday. So he just needs to explode. And um, along those lines, too, I think Ty-Ty is probably the biggest beneficiary of just the amazing play of Xavier Wheeler, but really – I just keep going back, and I know we could talk about Oscar for three hours and just his dominance <laughs> and, you know, how well he's played and just the jaw-dropping stats and his presence on the floor, but I'm still not fully committed that he's Kentucky's most important player right now. Like, I just look at this offense, and um, as, as many weapons as it has, it just still seems like – that Wheeler is the man. I mean, he does that. And then I know when, you know, guys aren't helping, they're staying on the wings. He's able to kind of break his man down. And um, I know what is – I think he has like 20 assists and one turnover over his last couple games or something. So, yeah, averaging
0: 10 assists a game.
1: And then I wanted to play something too because I don't know if, how many people have had the chance to, to hear him speak and talk. He's super, super well-spoken. He's a communication mm-hmm. major. Um, but he had a really good um, – I interviewed him on the SEC Network. I, I put this on the Cats by 90 page. At Catsby90 on Twitter. But just listen to um, Savir Wheeler talk about his experience at Kentucky so far. The so I wish everyone could have seen his face while he was saying that. Just smiling ear to ear. And coming from a place like Georgia where we know football's king. Um, you can tell he's really embracing he he wants that's why he came and he wants that spot like. He wants the keys to this Ferrari, so to speak, to kind of, you know, direct traffic. And he's, to me, just going to keep getting better and better because, you know, all of his mistakes are kind of stuff that can be corrected, just kind of slowing down a little bit. And a lot of it will probably just be his teammates kind of learning to play with him as well and kind of being in the spots that he's throwing the ball, et cetera. But I've just been so impressed with him offensively, defensively. I mean, just keep an eye on him the next game you watch, just, just solely focus on him for three or four possessions and he is just so tenacious he does not let up on either end of the ball and um I think he's gonna be a really special player yeah I'm with
0: you 100% and and, you know, he's, he's small, but he doesn't play small. I mean, he's, right. he's got so much energy. He's he's the type of player a lot of fans have been asking for for a long time in a sense where he brings the energy every night. You're never going to question his effort. You're never going to question the fact, is, you know, is college basketball something he's doing to just get to the NBA? Does he really care about winning? or, you know, there's not going to be any questions with that for, uh, with motivation or, you know, reason for being here. He, he's here to win. He's here to play hard. And uh, he, he brings He's he's just as unselfish as it gets in Kentucky, you know, just naturally, I think you're going to get some players who are a little selfish that come here because it is such an NBA, you know, stepping stone and so many guys go one year and done here, but um, Wheeler's not going to have that mindset. Uh, I mean, whatever draft stock with him comes, but he's a guy who's just going to come hard and play every night.
1: Yeah. I have some more audio. I want to play too of coach Calipari talking about what kind of what you just did and just the minutes division, I guess of the players. And he was kind of talking about the platoon system and not being able to do that this year specifically because the way that he put it was, we have some guards that are just better and deserve to play more. Obviously um, Wheeler being one of those, but since we kind of just went up and down a little bit uh, of the roster, let's listen. This was actually after, um, Kentucky played Robert Morris on Friday. Cal talked a little bit just about um, roster management and, and who's playing minutes. I mean, I, you know, you know, how I am about things. I've done things in different ways to try to give people minutes. But we got guards that should play more minutes than the rest, so you can't do a platoon. Do a platoon three guys. Or really not those two then all of a sudden, they're taking away minutes. You know, we got to do what we got to do. Get our rotation, get those two in, figure out, you know, how we
0: do this. And, and uh, we still broke down on defense a bunch, just a bunch, and we'll watch the tape. The communication, Bryce is in, you got to talk to him because he's a little bit confused. Uh, we twirled or switched a couple times and he went with this man. I mean, it's gaining the same way really – the veterans got to talk to the young kids to
1: tell them what they need to do. So that's Coach Cow talking a little bit just about, you know, how he's spinning his wheels on dividing up the minutes between – I know he had made a joke, I think it was maybe after the Miles College game or something, maybe it was it was against Robert Morris, about um, petitioning the NCAA for more minutes so guys could play. Um, it was probably <laughs> after Robert Morris because, you know, Damien Collins kind of had that out of his mind game, which – um, that might be a good thing to talk about. He kind of came
0: crashing down. <laughs> um, yeah, he, you know, and even in that game, I wasn't. You know, it was nice to see the 14 points and some of the big dunk. That one big dunk in particular. But you know, he's getting he's he needs to get in the gym a little bit. <laughs> I know. I mean that kindly. I just think uh, he's getting beat beat up a little bit. He's getting the ball taken from him. We saw that one play against Duke where the ball was literally. I wouldn't even say ripped. It was taken out of his hands. So um, he's, he's just, he's young though. I mean, he was a guy, I think, I don't think anyone expected to be a polished player when he got here. I think he was kind of a, a little bit of a project, which is totally fine.
1: Yeah, it's tough for him because, you know, the first thing you always go to is just his stature. He's so skinny, you know, that'll be the first thing you point out is he needs to put some weight on. But his feel for the game is not good enough to overcome that as well. So he is – I still think he's to be a long-term project. Um, I don't don't think the term fool's gold maybe is right for for how he performed Friday against Robert Morris – but I don't think you could really be expecting double-digit point performances out of him on the regular just because of the way college basketball is, the different defenses you see, the physicality of it from game to game. So I'll be watching for him kind of to come in and and spur to maybe have a game here too where he really, um, you know, does some jaw-dropping stuff. But overall, I'm not sure, you know, what you'll get consistently – but another player we need to talk about and finally showed some aggression that I think had a lot of fans fired up, I'm sure the coaching staff appreciated it, was Keon Brooks. Keon Brooks is just so much better when he's being aggressive. I feel like he was, like, rebounding the ball like a man on the defensive end last night. He even took it coast to coast a couple times and finished. So he's kind of a guy, Aaron, that I feel like is slipping between the cracks a little bit as a perfect example. We didn't talk about him until kind of towards the tail end of this um, as being somebody who could really step up and, you know – Become one of Kentucky's best
0: players. I'm sorry, the name slipped. Who who, who was that? Keon Brooks, Mr. Keon. Keon Brooks, yeah, Mr. Keon. I'm sorry, it totally uh, cut out when you said the name. I was like, great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Look, I've always liked Keon a lot, um, and we're all we've all been waiting for him to take that next step. And I think going into last year, everyone was hoping he would be the next P.J. Washington. And I don't know about you, I never thought that was fair, just because you know we've seen guys take big leaps here but no one uh I, I wouldn't say no one but it's hard to pick an example better for than PJ Washington and maybe Nick Richards from a sophomore to junior year of guys in one year making such a huge step um so keon obviously they they really need him uh to become that third or fourth option on this team there's no doubt about it uh he's the guy who's been in this program the longest Uh, He's obviously had such huge expectations coming out of, uh, like you said, Fort Wayne and, you know, as a five-star prospect picking UK over IU. Um, And, and, you know, last night was a pretty good stat line, I thought, you know, 10 points and seven rebounds, but they they just need a little more. They need him, I think, I, I really think if everything were ideal, he would be the fifth scoring option, but that number two rebounder, that number two big, and I'm just not sure right now where he stands as far as either of those things go. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's played pretty well. Uh, obviously I'm just, I, I'm just skeptical because I was not impressed with him against Duke. So, you know, these two games, these last two games are a little difficult to judge obviously when guys do what Oscar's doing. Uh, I think, you know, that's just, that's who he is. That's going to translate. um Maybe those same numbers, not every night, but they'll be there. The production will be there, at least some of it. Um, same with Wheeler. I don't think his energy or assists are going anywhere. Uh, but with Keon, he, he's a guy you definitely need to see step up, uh, just keep getting better in these, you know, little – these games, these easier games to win. But the real test for him will be when they start playing some of those Power Five teams in non-conference play, which I think are Notre Dame, what did we say Ohio State and um Louisville before getting the SEC play? Those are the games you really need to see that guy make the take the next step before I can buy in on him fully. Because you know, we waited three years for him.
1: Yeah, you're spot on about the fact that, you know, through three games, you absolutely kind of know what you're getting from Oscar. And just mm-hmm. through his career now, I think Keon is just such a crapshoot as far as which Keon Brooks is going to show up. There's been times when he really has just shown incredible offensive transformation over the last few weeks. But at the same time, I almost – sometimes when he hits a jump shot, I'm kind of like, I almost wish that wouldn't have went in because he kind of settled for those jumpers. And um, we do not want that, I don't feel like, um, becoming a common occurrence because he should be a dominant player on the block in college basketball. And I'll say this too, man. P.J. Washington really screwed over every Kentucky Wildcat from now (laughs) forever because any returning players just automatically gets labeled with that – oh, maybe they'll yeah. have a P.J. Washington-like transformation. Uh, I mean, how many times have you heard it's, those words strung together? So, Keon's probably like the exact mold of someone
0: getting that label. <laughs> yeah, I- exactly. It's just not fair to ask anyone to do what P.J. did. His leap was so significant. And I'd argue Nick Richards' sophomore to junior year one was right up there, maybe not quite as great. But especially when he had those two leaps two years in a row, um, obviously people were going to ask that from Keon when you got it from two bigs back to back like that. But man, I mean, what, what Keon did that year, I mean, excuse me, what PJ did that year is so special. It's hard to put that pressure on anybody. And I I don't, I just, I don't know if Keon, I I don't know if Keon's ever going to be that guy. I I really don't. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a guy playing in the NBA. I think he more projects as a great college player at best, but they, once they get into, they need him to just keep building confidence here and when that, uh, competition stands up they need him to be you know a permanent and um efficient member of that starting five
1: hey since he got brought up so much too we got to shout out um, pj obviously he's really carving out a role um for himself there in Charlotte. and then nick Richards yeah, and nick Richards has been all over the social media for the hornets and mm-hmm. i know people have been shouting him out so i'm surprised zero like i say this all the time but like, his size is just ridiculous like he can't is- teach it he is so much – he's like one of the one of the bigger players that I've ever been on the court with. He has – you know, even that just that extra inch or two makes so much of a difference. So, I always thought he had the size and, and the touch, you know, to maybe carve out a, a path in the NBA. And he seems to be doing so. So, I would love to see that happen because I also on about 40 Nick Richards rookie cards. So, that would be sick <laughs> if he ends up being a tremendous, like, you know, all-star caliber player, which I don't know that we'll see. But a lot of big men in the NBA – um, from Kentucky, which makes it baffling that, you know, they continue to kind of miss oh, on, no. on the bigs in recruiting. But that, that's for another podcast. Um, we got to talk about it, Aaron. I know everybody listening, um, which we appreciate you listening, Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's of Sea of Blue. Make sure you're following A Sea of Blue for all that stuff. A lot of guys do um, a lot of hard work covering all the sports, uh, so we appreciate you. But anybody listening, Aaron, has to have heard – About the $220,000 better (laughs) last night, betting Kentucky to cover the spread at 24.5. And And obviously, they just make it um, at at the same point. Yeah, so what what was your take on
0: all that? Were you following that? Yeah, I was. I I mean, I didn't think they were going to cover because usually, you know, Cal in these games will let the walk ons play, um, but they. They hardly shoot, and it, that's mostly because uh, they don't come in until the last 30 seconds, and it's kind of disrespectful to shoot at that point. But they actually – all of them played two minutes last night, which is enough time, you know, not to just give up yet and not to burn out the clock. So, uh, the fact they were still trying to score in those last two minutes and Zane Zan Payne, who's uh, – I think he's been the program, what, this is his third or fourth year already? I didn't know um, he had guys, that in him, Aaron, because I know he had those – Me uh, either. The crazy injuries. So, I mean, I
1: feel like – 99 times out of 100 that I've seen him I feel like you know he was definitely nursing that that um that that bad knee injury so man when he took that ball coast to coast like that I was like really clapping and and smiling a little bit because I I didn't realize that he um he had all that in and I'm sure even more probably in his bag because he still has to be kind of working himself back into shape and stuff after being out for so much time but yeah that was hilarious, and I wanted to land a point yes. too to the to the crowd that's like oh i'm obviously the the person man or woman that made that bet is rich, obviously but goes without no saying no kidding but but to keep equating and like oh, that's probably like losing fifty dollars to them like I are to us. I can't get on board with that man like yeah. I just can't do it. Income ratios aside, like losing two hundred and twenty k is gonna hit a lot harder, regardless of how much money you make then if you lose 50 or 100 bucks on a lower income just my opinion
0: yeah i don't think you can ask any rich human out there whether it's Warren Buffett any of the big billionaires i don't think any will be would be happy about losing uh, that type of dough so yeah i think it was a, it, it was just fun man i mean look it, obviously If they lost, it would have been pretty bad for them, but they just recover and, you know, it's it's just fun. Like, let it be fun. That's what I say. So, it was pretty cool for a kid who, like you said, has overcome a couple big injuries and doesn't play, obviously. You know, walk on at Kentucky. His dad uh, left, you know, for the NBA. That's probably the main reason he's here. And, you know, whenever those kids get a chance to get on the court, man, it's an audition, right? I mean, we saw Brad Calipari get limited minutes and play – uh, even a little when they had all those injuries. He had to play in some of those SEC games back in the 17-18 year. And, you know, maybe his dad helped with it, but he still did get a chance to play at Detroit Mercy and start a little bit his last, you know, college year. So if Payne can put that on film, and I'm sure his dad's connection's be he, he can get a chance to play at one of those mid-majors uh, and at least, you know, get a year where he's actually active on a roster uh, at the D1 level. Do you know if that was his first point scored as a Wildcat? I can't remember. I game. think it might have been. Uh, I'll have to double check that. I, I don't – you know what? I'm wondering if that might have even been his first game. Because I know he didn't – the first year, he, I think he tore his Achilles coming in. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so, he played yeah. two games last year. He did have one point. Okay. He had one point. So well, I think it's kind of uh, cool just talking th- about – It was it his first wild.
1: field goal. Oh, wow. That he – um, you know – Okay, first field goal, so that's a good point. Just that, you know, some of his first points, actually his first field goal, that they were so um, they were so memorable because, like, he was literally trending <laughs> nationally. I think he almost got up to the top ten um, if he didn't for trending nationally. So, really cool he for did. him, you know. I mean, otherwise scoring four points against Mount St. Mary on, you know, a boring Tuesday night game in November, no one's going to really yeah. think much of. But he got some national cred for that, which was really cool. And a question for you, Aaron, and I hadn't thought about it much to so write this second, but – do you think that this this anonymous better may double down and throw another, like, six-figures-plus bet on Kentucky to cover on Friday against 3-0 and Ohio? Well, I,
0: if he's smart, this would be the one game that you don't. I mean, Ohio, if you remember last year, obviously, after, I think I want to say it was Purdue they knocked out. I, I, yeah, I did have to fact-check me on that. But I know they were a 13 seed who came up and got a big win in the NCAA tournament, and I think they made their uh, – Round of 32 game makes your thing, too. Um, I forget the name of their star player from last year, and I honestly haven't done enough research yet to tell you if he's still there. But they had that one kid who was getting a lot of NBA looks um, at Ohio last year. So this is a good team. This is a likely tournament team. They're the favorites to win the MAAC, uh, which is not an awful conference. Uh, they're a better football than basketball conference, but they're not an awful conference. So uh, this, is, this is probably the toughest game of all those games that you kind of roll your eyes at. On the schedule. I mean, it's definitely going to be a much easier, a harder game than Albany and High Point and some of the other, you know, layup games in there. But uh, yeah, this is not the game to, I wouldn't, obviously, wouldn't really touch any, um, any line on this one because Ohio is and it's not even a bad negative towards Kentucky. Kentucky always starts a little slow out of the gate and that's okay as long as you're getting wins. Um, but Ohio's a pretty good basketball team uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so
1: they've, they're 3-0. They beat Belmont, Cleveland State, and then Robert Morris, who Kentucky – And Belmont's a good team right there. Yeah, I know. Belmont's always a, a tough game for anybody. So, yeah, they have a pretty impressive resume so far. It looks like their leading scorer this year is um, Mark Sears. He's is almost 20 a game, sophomore guard. So, it be interesting to see how Kentucky looks against a little bit better competition. But I think after tuning up, um, you know, they should handle them pretty good. Let's see. I don't even know if the line's out yet. Be.
0: Yeah, they, well, they better win the game. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, but, you know, if it's like a, a ridiculous, you know, 24-point line, I, I wouldn't touch it because I think Ohio um, will at least come in here and compete, whereas uh, Mount St. Mary's, though, give Mount St. Mary's some credit. I mean, they did a pretty good job of taking away the three, I thought, from Kentucky. And, uh, obviously, they're a team that came in here a couple of years ago, it was, it was, I'm pretty sure it was a six-point game at half. I know I, I was there that night. So, um, give credit to them. They played a pretty good game. Obviously that's going to be, unless you're Evansville, it's almost an impossible game to win. Um, but it, it, definitely Ohio is the next step up. And, you know, it's not, it's not a flashy opponent by any means, but it, it is not a bad opponent. It is a quality uh, mid-major. Right there.
1: Yeah. They average about 81 points a game too. They have very similar season stats um, as Kentucky, as far as that goes. So we'll have to see. I'll be at the game on Friday. So, Check that out. Um, I did skip the game Tuesday, and then I'll be there Monday as well. But kind of transitioning to another event that I will not be at. I decided not to go to the football game on Saturday, which now I'm kind of yeah, myself New myself State. But it's senior day, though. You know, we got the seniors out there, mm-hmm. so I kind of feel bad um, probably. I have a lot going on, so I'm not going to make it there. But, I mean, I guess just obviously Kentucky's expected to route one and nine New Mexico State. But anything specific you're going to be looking for in Kentucky's last football game, before things get real and they'll take on their biggest rival, Louisville, followed by
0: their bowl game? Yeah, I think it's just more consistency. That's the big thing I want to see. Look, obviously, New Mexico State uh, is not very good. They're, I mean, obviously, this was a game you're, you got to win no matter what, but you see they're a 1-9 team. And uh, they did actually, I want to say, have a 3 nothing lead on Alabama last week. And then they lost fifty nine to three.
1: Hey, wait! Having a three nothing (laughs) lead on
0: (laughs) Alabama—that's our thing. That's Kentucky's thing. We yeah, Kentucky's (laughs) did that. That's right. They did that in twenty sixteen. And but yeah, no. Look, they're not a good team. They're not even a good mid major. So it is what it is. But look, Kentucky's defense really outside of the first game of the year, which was ULM. Uh, The first half of the LSU game and then that Florida game, the defense, man, they've just, especially the secondary. I I think the defensive line has really dealt with their fair share of injuries um, with some guys, especially like um, Oxidine, who are playing super well. Um, But, you know, Josh Paschal's been outstanding. Justin Rogers is turning it up in the late. So is Josiah Hayes. But that secondary, man, they got to hit the transfer portal and fit it, this offseason it's really bad so for me the two things I want to see are one the secondary making some strides and helping get off the field on third down more consistently consistently and then the second thing is the offense just tu- just turn it on, don't ever stop I mean the first half I thought in the Vanderbilt game which I was there for um I really thought they played great football. They ran the ball really well. Uh, Will Levis made some really impressive throws. I thought the one to Cummings was a beautiful ball. Uh, Wandell obviously was outstanding again, other than the one drop. So just, but you want to see it for four quarters and you want to get in a position where you could actually let uh, Bo Allen get some run. I don't know if he's even played a down yet this year. Maybe he can see Will em early, but oh yeah, in the fourth quarter, that game he did. But um, you got to get him some playing time get to see what he's got. Uh, given – obviously, Levis is probably going to come back, given the way his second half has gone uh, next year. But Allen's a very important guy to the future of this program. Got to get him some run. Got to get some of the younger guys some run and get this – you know, the depth has been the problem for Kentucky. So, you want to get young guys a chance to play and build some confidence. Well, I was just going to say just
1: kind of, like, route them in a super fun game, maybe score 50-plus points. That's what you want. I'm going to change my answer based on something you said, and I'm just going to say Bo Allen throw a touchdown pass on Saturday. That's what I'm going to be looking for, even though it's it's senior it's, night because um, he kind of got got hosed in the last one. You know, I think I think he was kind of expecting yes, to get in did. and didn't. So um, that'll be all I'm
0: looking for because that should check all the boxes if Bo gets in and chucks yeah, they a touchdown. Need, exactly, they need, and that's what I'm saying. They need to get in a position. They need to build a big enough lead where they can do that and they can do it for a while. Like if you remember. Uh, that UT Martin game two years ago, I forget what the score was at half, but it was to a point where it was out of reach enough where the whole second half was back So that's the type of game you need because the way to get the depth better is by getting experience and, you know, preferably, uh, you know, some good play from those young guys to build their confidence up. So there's nothing better than learning on the fly and they need an opportunity to do so. So if you can build a big lead in the first half, let your starters set the rest of the day off and the young kids get some run, uh, get the veterans rested up for Louisville. That's what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, I think they do. They seem to go out and put a this, – just this never at any point any sighs or huffs and puffs from fans. They just seem to go out yeah. from first kickoff, kind of dominate them, really get everyone fired up because, damn, I can't believe it, but Thanksgiving is a week from tomorrow. So, the Louisville Cardinals yeah. are up – you know, next is going to be the next real challenge for Kentucky. So, tuning up for them and, is going to be important because Kentucky really needs to win the final two games of the season or else I think no matter what, this season is going to kind of have a, a bad taste in, in the mouth of fans just because of, of what could have been. So, you, I guess really I should say, I'm just assuming they beat New Mexico State, but you really need to win out. You got to win these last
0: three yeah. um, and, to kind of salvage what could have been a historically great season. Yeah. And look, Kentucky's a much, I think a much better all around team than Louisville, but there are some matchup things in that game with how this defense has played for Kentucky, that, that definitely scare you. I mean, Malik Cunningham is one of the best mobile quarterbacks in the nation. And, you know, when Vanderbilt turned to Mike Wright, a guy who can run it, Kentucky's defense stunk. <laughs> Let's put it frankly. They stunk. They have not done well with mobile quarterbacks this year, and they've not done guys uh, well against accurate passers this year. And, Uh, Malik Cunningham's both of those things. So that is a tough matchup. So you need to really build some confidence this week, uh, get some of the older guys uh, a little bit of a breather, uh, and get them really on the Louisville as soon as possible. Yeah, Malik Cunningham really is a problem.
1: I mean, I he's admittedly stunned. don't follow, you know, Louisville football a crazy amount. I watch when it's on and stuff. But I hear all the time, Aaron, just living in Louisville, like, oh, he has the most, you know, most rushing touchdown. I think it, it might be in program history for a quarterback. But anyway, just yeah. some, sometimes I'll hear stats just knowing some of the quarterbacks that, you know, when I was growing up, like Chris Redman. I mean, he, he was amazing. I mean, Stephen mm-hmm. I think. I mean there were some really good quarterbacks in Louisville history. And he's just kind of like demolishing yeah. – all of their <laughs> records, so he is kind of flying under the radar. And you're right, I know. I mean, that I do watch. He he gets on the open field, man. He can make plays
0: and really hurt you with his legs. And you just mentioned, you know, he, I think you're right that he has the rushing quarterback touchdown record. Uh, this is a guy who's playing at the same program where he took over for Lamar Jackson and two years before that, Teddy Bridgewater. So, and the uh, other thing, <laughs> Aaron, pretty, know that, pretty you know, good mobile quarterbacks.
1: It popped in my head that kind of made me think of that a few weeks ago was that, like, I know for a fact he has the most touchdown passes of any quarterback in Louisville history yes. over 75 yards. Which is like, and it like, and one like was against Kentucky. Yeah, and I feel like he's like demolished that record too. So he's a big, big, big yeah, play threat. And um, we know it's Ken- Kentucky's woes in the secondary, and then historically um, having trouble bringing down mobile quarterbacks. That's all something to keep around. Just makes it all more important Saturday to treat yeah. that like a dress rehearsal for the final game exactly. of the season. You know, I think if you go downturn, we'll kind of start wrapping up here a little bit. But if you, you know, you handle New Mexico State like you should, and then you really lay the lumber to Louisville, um, you know, at, at Cardinal Stadium in front of which probably at, at, I'll say, 50-50 crowd at best. I think there's going to be a ton of ball. Oh, easily. Um, you know, I think that, that'll that go a long way. And then you just need to have a good showing in the bowl game. And I think we really do look back at this season with, with fine memories. But it's going to come down to these last three, and they're really going to have to have to play well. And I expect them to, though. I really do. I think – yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a tough, it was a tough season, man. Just like the way that it went, there was a lot of high expectations obviously starting six and oh, and then once that three game skid happened, um, you know, it's, it's tough to pull yourself out of that. So yeah. they did and they just have to ultimately get it done at the end and, and look forward to next year because it's going to be a long off season
0: if they really if they lose any of the last three. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a path still to do some big things this year. I mean, you finish nine and three and get some help, you, you're still looking at potentially sneaking into a year six. Um, right now, it seems that the Outback Bowl is kind yeah, of consensus, which is not a bad one at all. I mean, they're not going to go back to the or Bowl just given they were there two years ago, I don't think. Um, so the Outback Bowl is kind of the next best one and probably the best fit, but – If you want to get into something even bigger, uh, you got to win out and you know see what else. And look good. Control what you can control, and got to look good, right? Yeah. And then see what else happens. The rest is not in your hands, but yeah, it's a very important nine and three, and especially when you think about some of the vacancies in college football right now. Um, And look, I mean, Kentucky is still a, a pretty damn good gig. But when Mel Tucker gets a 10-year extension, and that's the guy who's number one on LSU's radar and some of the other big schools out there, uh, you know, teams are going to line up money. And who knows what Kentucky can offer to keep Mark Stoops away from an LSU, a Miami likely to open up here. Uh, You got Virginia Tech open. You got USC open. It's really important to have a really strong ending and put no doubt in Stoops' mind that this program can still take the next step. Because if there's any doubt, uh, this might be the right time for him to move.
1: Good points. Good points. I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to debate all that as the season winds down and we get into the off season, but good stuff, Aaron. I appreciate you. Thanks everybody for listening. Make sure again, you follow um, all of a sea of blue stuff at a sea of blue. And then you can check us out on Twitter at cats by 90. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. We'll try to maybe recap again next week um, after. So Kentucky will have played Ohio and Albany and basketball. And then we'll have the football game to talk about. So, um have a good rest of the week Aaron and we will talk to you next time. All right.